0: Welcome to Mastering the Attention Economy podcast. I'm your host, Ari Lewis. Human attention is a scarce resource that millions of companies across the globe are fighting for. Once a week, I interview entrepreneurs, executives, and industry leaders on how they earn attention for their brands using social content and media. To learn more about my work, visit arilewis.com and subscribe to my twice a week newsletter on how to earn attention for your brand. Today's guest is Stu Fortier. Stu is the co founder of Compound Writing a community-powered writing workflow driven by some of the internet's best writers, editors, and experts. In today's episode, we discuss starting an online community, the importance of writing online, and turning membership into a habit. I hope you enjoy. Hey Ari,
1: honored to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so, you know, big fan of of what you guys have been doing with uh, compound writing. I've been, you know, following it from uh, afar Um, And, you know, I wanted to spend today talking about what you're doing, building a community and and building, you know, a writing community. But I think it would be appropriate to start with how you began writing online. And I was really interested in in hearing more about the story, but you sort of created a uh, onion for the tech industry. So, you know, can you talk about um, your first foray into into writing and, and creating your first newsletter, which was, you know essentially the, uh, the onion for tech.
1: Yes. This is a a top secret project that uh, our our identities are rarely revealed, but um, maybe like three years ago or something, I had been a big fan of uh, the hustle and what Sam Parr was doing and actually got to know a lot of their team and was generally just kind of amazed at the leverage that a great high quality engaged email list can create Um, emails. I think now with Substack, the rise of Substack, people kind of realize this. But even just uh, you know two or three years ago, uh, I think people were deeply undervaluing email as one of the most kind of intimate, engaged channels. If you tweet something to 300 people, you're probably not going to get much of a response. If you send an email to 300 people, you are virtually guaranteed to get some sort of outcome. So kind of one of the first experiments that I ran was like, okay, could I could I make just kind of a niche publication? I just want to have fun with this. I don't really have any big ambitions of making it a business, but like what would be a fun newsletter that I would love to subscribe to? And maybe if you follow VC Brags on Twitter or like you're in the tech Twitter sphere, uh, there's just a completely unhealthy amount of, uh, you know, smugness and hype and whatever in the tech Twitter sphere. I actually think it's gotten much better with, with people being called on it. But anyways, I kind of hit up a couple writer friends and was like, we should, we should create the onion for tech and make it a satirical, you know, weekly newsletter that just makes fun of tech news and makes fun of kind of tech memes. And we launched this, That we created a fictional CEO. You can go look him up on, uh, on LinkedIn, he has, a, he has a profile, Carl Cantana, uh, who's this madman, former entrepreneur who started this, this media empire uh, that we call tech Love. So. Anyways, once a week we sent out, it was like the hustle, but fake. We sent out satirical news stories and the engagement was amazing. People loved it. We ran all these user challenges. Like we, we realized that Gary Vee and all of his videos had the AirPods with wires in it. So we started a GoFundMe to buy him AirPod Pros, like, or, you know, the new AirPods where he could actually cut the wire. And we literally had strangers on the internet donating five or $10 for this ridiculous gimmick. We became the lowest rated company on Glassdoor, which was another initiative we started. So anyways, we just had a bunch of fun, grew it to like a few thousand kind of engaged subscribers, but that was my first foray into, uh, you know, seeing the power and kind of the fun, frankly, of creating and writing online. Hey, Stu, that was a great answer, really
0: love that. And, you know, obviously I, I, I follow VC brags and sort of see some of the the parody accounts of folks like Naval and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know, I think that's sort of a good segue into, you know, you started Compound Writing, which is an online writing community. And I think what's really interesting about this is it's such a competitive space, right? You think about writing, there's tons of old school books out there about writing, you know, there's there's tons of, you know, no offense to you, more established writers out there as well, right? You know, you haven't written a New York Times bestselling off, uh, selling book or, or anything like that. So what made you say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go into building this online writing community. And I'm also going to make sure it's differentiated enough from what's out there already so that we can establish a foothold in the market and be successful.
1: It's a fantastic question because I think we had the same kind of doubts and questions ourselves when we started, but the long story short and maybe long story, uh, you know, hopefully not terribly long. when as the internet has just continued to permeate more and more parts of our lives and really transform media, you know, media, any, any industry where information used to be costly and expensive to move um, are going to be the industries that the internet first disrupts. So media is just, I think above all else, uh, the industry that the internet disrupts. And what's kind of puzzling to me is that we've brought a lot of our thinking from 30 years ago online. So when information was costly to move, it made sense to buy books, buy newspapers, right? Like you, there was a certain amount of labor involved to get you know, the words on the page and, and into, your, into your brain. Um, so that created all these business models, publishing books, um, you know, obviously buying a subscription to a newspaper and with the rise of Substack and I think a lot of the hype around starting a paid newsletter, I'm convinced that's just for the vast majority of people who are writing inclined, The wrong conversation. I think I do not think a paid newsletter uh, is a realistic or even, frankly, desirable um, product for a lot of writers to to create. And the second thing I should clarify is what a writer is, because in Compound we we certainly have some folks who are full time writers. They have they maybe they have actually published books. Um, They're very successful as you know writing is their thing. But I think the majority of people who end up joining are people who have writing as a craft that they're dedicated to, but it may not be their first thing. They may be the CEO of some cool startup, you know, working on this really interesting technical challenge. And they use writing as a way of like, conveying really interesting expertise, of building their credibility in a market, of attracting and recruiting the people that they wanna work with. So they use writing as almost like the solid number two in their life and it does require, you know, it does have to be very high up on your priority list, but it doesn't necessarily have to be number one. It can be this critical skill as a knowledge worker, that helps you be more effective in whatever else you're kind of doing. So that's the other point of clarification with kind of what a writer is. Which to your point, um, I think it's like, yeah, why hasn't you know a, a James Clear type writer, you know, a fairly established, well-known person in our circles, you know, whereas his writing community, there might be a lot of reasons, might might not just be his goal. You know, for lifestyle reasons, it's a lot of work to launch a community, uh, but certainly the credibility is there, right? And. Yeah, you know, again, to his credit, he's done a lot of online writing. Um, but that's his thing. You know, he is a core, to his core, he's writing full time. Whereas I think a lot of folks writing is a multiplier. It's this really amazing leverage point for them. So that's why I think like, you know, I felt comfortable, like I felt like I understood this market because I have been, in my case, co founder and CTO of a bunch of different startups, have had the busy day job and use writing for me, really, is more of a more of a hobby like you know creative expression thing i've been publishing consistently for years on my blog um, and i think i just i i see the use case much more clearly uh, for people like me who maybe have the busy day job but also view writing as a craft that they want to keep investing in because it has these wonderful spillover effects into their career uh, and other things they do so that to speak a little bit to the differentiation point that's kind of who we're targeting. And I think a lot of like the writing advice books and stuff that have been out there, they're certainly still useful. And I think they're invaluable to anybody who's writing inclined, but I think they tend to skew towards people who really want to make it as a writer, want to get a book deal, want to be the New York Times bestseller list. Um, I think they're a little bit slated towards what what I view a little bit as like old world publishing, though it certainly makes still a ton of sense in many contexts today but people who really want to do it full-time. So that's, maybe I'll, I'll pause there, but that's, um, that's kind of who we've built this thing for and how we kind of have positioned it to date uh, as we've, you know, started to grow. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like one of my favorite books is, is Stephen King's On Writing, but like, you
0: know, when reading it, it's not a book. First off, the book was published in 2000. You know, online writing wasn't really a thing. Um, yeah, you could write a blog, but it wasn't as simple as what it is today. And I think, you know, That makes a lot of sense is that you're sort of building this community for the next generation of writers um i think uh, you know i guess a a follow-up question to that is how important do you think for writing online is optimizing for writing online and thinking about audience development you know you brought up um someone like a james clear right he's a writer and yes he's done a great job of building an audience but of course he's a writer and i think one of the things that people don't understand about the substack is is that, you know, all these journalists aren't entrepreneurs, they're not small business CEOs. They just want to focus on content creation and they're not thinking about audience development. Is that something that goes hand in hand in your writing community? Because um, obviously it sounds like many of your writers are, are thinking about not really just about writing but writing in order to build an online community or an online audience
1: yeah it's a fantastic question and you're absolutely right it is the I, I don't know if it's necessarily the number one thing that our members are you know talking about thinking about at least peripherally becoming more aware of you know the importance of kind of intentional audience building um, but our angle is actually it's not necessarily unique to us but we certainly uh, have a somewhat strong opinion here that yeah. Almost always, when people have a challenge with growth, they probably have a challenging with positioning or quality, and that that's a far over simplistic statement because like there's absolutely very talented people who, uh, if they put a little bit of more effort into audience building and like quote unquote marketing, um, they probably would be more successful. So it's certainly not like a blanket rule, but I think in general what we've discovered, we actually host very often these distribution brainstorms with. Uh, folks like Steph Smith from The Hustle who just know she literally wrote the book on online distribution uh, this year. And as we kind of talk to her about specific growth or audience building challenges that a lot of our members have, really at the core, we end up, we end up realizing, you know what, this is actually just like a positioning problem. You know, what are you trying to say that's unique and interesting? Uh, This is like a quality problem. You know, I don't think what you've said has, has quite reached its potential. Like I think if you wrote something that was really punchy, you know, that's how you end up on the front page of Hacker News and get, you know, a nice influx of of subscribers. So there's, um, it's, there's definitely not like a one size fits all solution, but at Compound, what we're really obsessed with is the quality piece. How do we solve the quality challenge? I loved a comment you made about a lot of these uh, journalists who are gonna go launch their Substack and Substack to their credit, I know is working on a lot of these periphery services, but uh, one of the core things you get working in a writer's room uh, and working at a, at a like say a news organization for example, uh, are great editors, and not only that, but like are great peers who are who are, can give you constructive input on your work, and actually a lot of great stories, a lot of great writing certainly uh, is a result of peer collaboration, and is a result of like getting input early and often in a piece of writing, and like really frankly like at a deeper level the idea formation, and that I think is what most people publishing a Substack lack. They're sitting there on sunday and god i know this cuz this is what i've been doing for years and you know you've got a 3 hours to yourself and like you've got a publish date and you are sitting at the blank page like all right time to ship my weekly newsletter and you know sometimes that that's fine like you do just have to crank stuff out but to really write great stuff we're convinced if you can write something that's great you will get traction with kind of some reasonable level of of marketing effort and audience building uh, effort the challenge is how do you write great stuff? So for us, that's why we built the community. We think it's there's no better way to accelerate you know the quality of your work and therefore the the speed at which you grow uh, than to write better stuff. And and the way you do that is by getting great peer feedback. So long. I don't even know if I answered your question, but long answer. No, that's a that's a great answer. And I I, I suffer from those same
0: problems. I mean. Um, you know, I've written probably 60,000 plus words online this year. And um, yeah, sometimes you just have those days where like, you just don't want to publish and you just got to fight through it. And it, it didn't, it would, it would definitely help to have a team um, in order to do that. And I think there's so much that can be said about having people around you that sort of are motivating you to write. Um, you know, I guess on that, on that note, how do you ensure that there's sort of that collaborative effort within the community? I think that, you know, a lot of these courses or communities, you know, that's like one of the biggest issues is right. Creating a a collaborative community. And, um, you know, the other thing, and I don't know if you've had this problem yet is, you know, and I I know it's a bit different, but I think of like Hacker News where um, now they've grown so large they're, yeah, there, there's a very active community, but it's, it's so vile in some regards. Right. And I'm not saying that will happen to you guys, but also, how do you think about not just creating a collaborative, active community, but a collaborative, active community that's, that is positive and,
1: and constructive rather than just negative. What a, what an amazing question, because this is the, I think, fundamental, like, uh, uh, I don't know if advantage is the right word, that might be a little generous, but the, f- the fundamental difference when people are having a conversation with the intention of producing an artifact of work uh, is very different than people kind of scoring points for their team in the comment section, like, or, you know, on Twitter or whatever. Um, I think what we've discovered in Compound is that the reason anybody is interacting is to produce a piece of writing and like is to push forward an idea into a piece of writing now at a certain scale there's there are always these risks of like people who just want to shoot the idea down and that, you know certainly there's to, there still could be some of these challenges but for us we focus on doing the work so like if you're in compound it's a workflow we call it a community powered workflow we don't even call it a community necessarily and the whole point is like you submit a rough idea of the next thing you're thinking about writing about Um, And other people help you improve the clarity of the idea to help you improve how you might be able to communicate it and the intention at every step of the way, like the the members kind of gain status by their contributions to your ideas in the same way that like Stack Overflow rewards the best answers, Compound rewards the best editing and rewards the best like thought partnership. So that I think is a fundamentally different driver than something that could, you know, it's funny, Hacker News, I think. I have such mixed feelings because i think they i think oftentimes there are pretty interesting productive conversations that happen and like interesting nuance that gets fleshed out and like you know i would take the hacker news comment section over most subreddits you know most of the time um, and most honestly most tweet replies too so they've you know there's a good culture there but the incentives are not quite aligned in the way that producing a piece of writing together is so we think this can apply far beyond just writing like that's certainly just our focus but Any conversation where the pretext is, like you will be rewarded if and you will gain status if you are able to help move this idea forward um, and like produce a better piece of writing at the other end. You'll even be credited with your help at the other end. They'll thank you as an editor. Um, That leads to very different discussions than I disagree with you and I want to score some points for my team. So that's kind of one you know, maybe insight that we've had.
0: Yeah, and, that, and this maybe is is a selfish way to think about it. I feel like one of the other benefits of being part of these communities is that it helps grow everyone's following. There's sort of that FOMO that begins to develop where like, you know, I've, I've seen this a lot with people's writing where they're like, oh, I'm thanking this person, this person, this person on Twitter. And, you know, I'm part of this community. And then like everyone wants to be part of this community and wants to be a part of that type of initiative. So I, I feel like that's another thing that, probably, you know, and maybe you guys realize this, maybe not, that that keeps people going because it helps them go like, oh, this is a way for me to grow my following is by doing this with others who I'm invested in them and they're they're invested in me. But it's just a theory. Not sure if that's necessarily true or not. Yeah, I do.
1: I definitely think there's some aspect of that and it's something we're, we're thinking a lot about. Like I, you know, I certainly think, um, you yeah, know, one plus one can equal three with, with online writing. If you can, kind of create some tight knit groups of folks who help each other out and shout each other out. You know, it certainly is, can be a great way to get a nice little boost in your your audience um, and like your, your general attraction. Um, at the end of the day, to grow to any meaningful scale though, obviously you do just have to produce great work. And um, the people, you know, in our little echo chambers on Twitter, you know, I'll see people get tagged repeatedly and like, I kind of know who knows who, and it's, you know, it's fun, I'll interact with them. I kind of know them. But if I wasn't in that like inner circle, I'm really just going to judge the work by the work and like I'm if this person cannot produce interesting stuff, like I'm just not going to follow them. Uh, I'm not going to read their stuff, like I'm just going to churn out. So there is this like I think it's a great way to find the motivation to maybe develop a habit. It can be a great way to maybe get some early traction on on specifically on audience growth. But I think as a as, from the writer's perspective, the only real way to win long term is by producing quality work consistently over a very long period of time, um, You know, speaking in generalities here. And so it does taper off at a certain point of growth where like, you know, to get the next 10,000 subscribers, frankly, they don't give a shit like who your friends are. Um, so that's one. The other thing with the contributing, the motivations of the contributor, that's a really fun one because I think you're totally right. Some folks, it may be very motivating because you'll get. A shout out, you'll see your, your name in a big newsletter where you actually helped add some ideas and be constructive. But the the thing that I think we're trying to figure out, and we've already seen start to happen, is like, is there a world, again, somewhat similar to Stack Overflow? Maybe there's some similarities to Yelp here, where you kind of become a, um, uh, you know, local reviewer, I don't know, the, the Yelp elite or whatever. Um, you gain status by your contributions to the network, by the value people find. I think there's people who write Amazon reviews, you get some pleasure out of doing it, uh, but you you get, you get gain status as someone who uh, reliably contributes and adds value. And as a result, people kind of seek out your opinion more. You build a reputation on the quality of your thought, contributions to, to a piece. And that's a little, and actually I think, to some extent that happens on Twitter, right? You wanna follow the most interesting thinkers, you know, N- I think Naval is, has a big popular account, A, because I think he has a lot of real world credibility, but B, yeah, you know, he just tweets intriguing things. And like I routinely, if, even if I don't agree with him, I there's clearly a level of clarity of thought that is like intriguing to follow. So, you know, some sometimes that happens on Twitter. People are rewarded for their quality of thought. But like, where do you get rewarded for your quality of contribution? Like where, wh- yeah, where, is there, a, is there a place and is there a way? Uh, where you can build status for um, the quality uh, and degree to which you can push ideas forward with other people and be constructive. And I think like that's actually will become a motivator for people and we actually believe in investing in that even though it's not necessarily super obvious yet because it doesn't necessarily convert to more email sc- subscribers right now. We think long term it could have big impacts on people's career, how they make relationships. They're just going to be sought out as a thoughtful person. So. Those are, those are a few rambling thoughts. Again, hope, hopefully I kind of answered your question.
0: No, you definitely did. And one of the, um, you know, a couple a couple of thoughts on my end is, you know, I do think one of the interesting things about writing online is that like it makes you an expert without having to be the expert and that, you know, you publish 20,000 words about some niche topic. Even if you have no experience in it, people will just start thinking you're an expert through association. So, you know, talking about some of the things that you said definitely reminds me of that. Um, You know, a a question that I had, though, related to what you said is you talked about, you know, not necessarily following writing where like you read it and you turn off pretty quickly. How do you ensure that there's a good onboarding? Like maybe you see a writer come on and he's just like a bad writer and maybe bad is not the right word. He he, he hasn't uh, refined his writing well enough yet or she hasn't refined her writing well enough yet you know, what What do you do to make sure they stay motivated so that they continue to write? Because like, I remember when I started writing and my first article was horrendous. Like, I don't, I don't even know if you can find it online anymore, but it was really bad. And I kept writing and now like people tell me I'm a good writer. I don't actually know if I am, but some people think I am. So like, what do you do to make sure that you know, that writing, which like you personally think is bad that you're going, Hey, like I see some promise, like, here's how you continue to stay motivated. Like, how do you keep that person from, from going?
1: You get them to edit other people's stuff. And this is a really big mindset shift that I think is actually kind of hard to sell people on. But once we do, they kind of never go back. It's like taking the red pill or whatever. Um, And this is, I think the fundamental insight that we don't think the world has caught on to yet that we're certainly excited to keep doubling down on, which is if you as a writer, oftentimes it does happen. Maybe someone joins compound. They're seeing kind of the caliber of other people in the group and they're thinking to themselves, oh shit, like I'm not as good as I thought I was and not even close, frankly. Um, and that's very intimidating. And so one, one way to get over that, I think which you alluded to is actually just to keep showing up and keep writing. You're right. I do think. Keeping up a practice inevitably leads you to become better at it. it Maybe somewhat against my you know, counter narrative to a lot of what I believe, um, I think it can get you pretty far. Even if you don't get feedback, just getting a baseline practice in place um, will go a hell of a long way. So that's one. But I do think a lot of people have been able to do that and still feel like they're hitting a wall. And this is where I think our core idea around, and this is just a, the core activity of the group is like when you feel stuck, when you feel like how much more can you progress, go into another writer's draft, add your two cents, start to identify where things don't really make sense for you, where things lose a lot of momentum. Was the intro too long? Like leave a comment to tell them it felt a little long. And what you'll notice is you'll start to develop this mindset of like the engaged reader. And you'll start to really see writing through the lens of somebody who can, has a chance to interact with the ideas, has a chance to help construct them, has a chance to refine them. And as a result, when you then go write your next piece, you'll be able to shift into this modality of like, I, what is the reader's experience actually like? And you'll start to develop almost this empathy for that experience, which will translate into better writing. And you will find yourself starting to be a little bit more thoughtful and tactful with how you craft ideas and how you share them that make them fundamentally more interesting to read, make them you know much more clear, make them much more entertaining, frankly, which is another undervalued part of writing, making it entertaining and fun. Um, so that's our opinion, you know, opinion, if you will, that's what we see is like for the people who feel stuck, how can I get any better? I've taken some courses. I've been shipping consistently. We're totally convinced. It's like start to flex your editor muscle. It's really hard to flex on your own writing. You have to kind of kind of use it on other people's stuff because you can be much more objective. Um, you will start to immediately notice all the things that, could be better about their writing that also could be better about your own. So that's one answer. Again, that's that's certainly our kind of slant on this on this problem. So
0: a question that sort of ties a lot of the you know the past uh, twenty minutes or so of the conversation together. But what does the funnel look like for for you all at Compound Writing? You know, how does someone find you? Um, how does someone decide like I'm going to join the free newsletter? To I'm going to become a paid member? To I make sure that they're onboarded correctly to making sure that they're retained correctly. You know, do you have a, a formal process? Is it more informal? I guess, you know, tying our whole conversation together, like what does that funnel look like from audience acquisition all the way
1: to audience retention? Yeah, totally. We don't have, um, I don't think we We're. I think we're still in the stage to where we're figuring out what channels are most effective to attract the best writers and to find the best folks. Um, Thankfully, by kind of being a very community oriented business and now kind of product, um, referrals have been great. We started off with some great folks in the group. They've referred other writers who are very talented who have then referred, you know, one or two folks they know. So referrals have consistently been um, a very, you know, a, a wonderful um, source of new leads for us. The other thing has been just like kind of like cut and dry content marketing, to put it plainly, but, But really trying to write about, you know, do interviews around the topics that we think are most common for uh, the folks who we want to attract. So it's, again, content marketing 101, but it was all kind of new to me. Um, But, you know, we got together with a former editor from The New York Times, who's also in the group, former managing editor at The Hustle. And we like put together a short, simple guide of like how to edit well. And we, I put that in a tweet, like, hey, you know, DM me, retweet this or DM me if you want it. And it just exploded. I think that added like 200, 250 people to our wait list just from that one tweet and that one piece of content. And it was just like a the bat signal for finding the right people. People who want an editing guide written by a former New York Times editor, that's who we want in compound most likely. So that's um, so those are the two things, referrals and some content marketing stuff that have been uh, great for top of funnel and fairly consistent. Um, what happens when they actually, when someone joins the compound wait list, like majority of people do not get in, we accept, I guess it's, it's variable based on the the quality of, of uh, the fo- some some kind of pieces of content attract more or less, you know, serious, talented writers or whatever, but probably averages out around 15 or so percent of people who actually apply get invited to do an interview. We actually interview every single person who, who joins. Um, I don't want that to discourage anybody from applying. You would just be surprised that a lot of people apply having never actually published stuff and there's a lot of reasons to reject folks so we have some criteria of who we look for minimum amount of things that they've published do they have interesting subject matter expertise are they just fun to read are they just a good writer a little you know a little subjective um and then we will proceed to an interview where we literally my co-founder or i will get on a 30 minute zoom call check that they actually match up with the stuff they put in their the waitlist form uh, understand their writing goals and what they want to do. Then we'll share a little bit more about Compound. And what we do is by the end of the month, we typically kind of have a, we call them a cohort, even though this Compound's not really an educational product yet. It's not really like a, you know, a boot camp or something. Um, we, for that month, everybody who's interviewed, who wants to join, who's paid to join, uh, they'll be let in the first of the following month where we do a couple of onboarding meetings to get them kind of familiar with some editing skills familiar with the culture of Compound. This is a place where we contribute to each other's work. We don't really have water cooler conversations about writing tips. We help each other actually produce writing. Um, We just get them pretty clear on what the group is all about. And again, what the product is all about, because a lot of this is being productized. Um, And once they're in, now they're part of the broader community. After they've done a few of these onboarding things, now they can go chime in on any other existing members' open drafts. They can communicate with anybody in the group. So it's not cohort is a little misleading in that we don't actually uh, keep them isolated to the folks who join that same month. And that goes a hell of a long way. We do some things in the community. Say you've been active for a month and you haven't posted your first draft. We have a ton of automations to check in and just say, Hey, like anything we could do to help nudge something over the line, anything you're blocked on, do you just want to take the month off. Our pricing is quarterly. So members, you know, maybe they just got busy and that's fine. They'll get value the next month. Um, so we kind of do a lot of things after they join that helps encourage them to stay engaged, and I think it's generally pretty effective uh, for for retention. Yeah, that's a great um,
0: overview of, of sort of how you guys are doing it, especially since it's 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 not formalized yet. But um, you know, as we begin to to wrap things up, uh, one of the questions that I always like to ask um, you know guests is, what is one Thing you would, you know, tell, um, the listener who, you know, like your big takeaway, your big lesson for them that you've learned, you know, since starting compound that you would want them to, to know, um, you know, before, before we end our conversation.
1: Whew, I know I'm God, I still feel like such a student that I, I feel that I'm, I've learned so much the last six months doing this, that I don't know how generalizable some of my learnings are, but. There's definitely, if, I've, if I were to say, like, if you're interested, if you're maybe either um, writing online, you have a blog or a Substack or something, uh, or you're interested in starting an online community, um, I think the biggest thing that most online communities, uh, the biggest mistake they make, and mistake, again, a little bit of a judgy word, I mean, this is just my opinion, um, is that they conflate a category like their niche i'm making a community for podcasters for example uh, with a purpose why do those people actually come to your community what is the utility of joining your group um i'm convinced most of the crappy slack groups that i've joined with you know fantastic people in them that i don't engage with uh lack that second piece i think you have to give people a clear reason to re-engage there has to be a clear mind space that they occupy which is like i use this community to do blank Uh, if it's a community for salespeople, i use it to maybe i don't know get some coaching or get feedback on my cold emails or you know whatever whatever the specific utility might be but if if i were to give anybody kind of thinking about starting a community around an interest of theirs a, a piece of advice or just a consideration it would be think of a clear purpose why should people keep engaging month after month after month with your group and i think um I think there's a lot of talk about category and there's not a lot of talk about uh having a clear purpose so hope that's helpful that's a great answer
0: really really appreciate that well stu thanks so much for coming on um this was a great conversation and um you know i'll include it in the show notes but for those who are looking to join the community or follow you on social media you know
1: what's your URL and you know what are your social handles? Yeah, we'd love to have um, any writers, you know, aspiring writers or, or serious writers who have already been at it for a while, uh, consider applying to Compound. It's just compoundwriting.com. You'll see the application button there, but compoundwriting.com. And then I am Stu Fortier, S-T-E-W-F-O-R-T-I-E-R uh, on Twitter. So say hello there. Great, Stu. Thanks again so much for coming on and until next time. Awesome, it was a pleasure, thanks Ari.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider giving us five stars on iTunes. If you're listening to us on YouTube, consider hitting the like button and commenting on what you enjoyed. I'd really appreciate it.